guys, and welcome to the Moms and Murder Podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hey, Mandy. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. This morning, I was gifted the greatest gift of a lifetime. Oh, were you? Yeah. (laughs) Mandy got um, a Christmas gift she had ordered for me a while ago, and it's one of those sequin pillows and that like transitions. I don't know how you say that. It's a magic sequin pillow. Okay, it's not magic, but it's a yes, it's a sequin something pillow. And it's whenever you rub it, it turns into like a, an Aladdin lamp. It turns into Michael Scott's face, which is <laughs> wonderful and comforting to me and terrifying to my children. So it's super wonderful and I love it so much. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. I am actually so proud of this gift. I'm usually not a very good gift giver or very creative, or I don't have good ideas when it comes to giving gifts. So I'm happy you love it. And I had to wait forever for it to arrive. So I'm even more happy that you love it because that was just a lot of anticipation building. Imagine me. (laughs) I just was waiting for a gift this whole time, Mandy. I thought you had given up on me. I I was thinking you were just pretending you had gotten a gift this entire time. (laughs) I was just going to keep doing it until next Christmas. (laughs) Good idea. That's that's the long con. <laughs> so before we get into um, the episode this week, we did want to do one more quick reminder that we have our Patreon page. It's at patreon.com slash moms and murder podcast. And we will have a new bonus episode on there for you this week. Yes. So mm-hmm. we're talking about Aaron Hernandez and his crime and crimes, I guess. And then we also have our other I don't know, thing that we're doing on Patreon. Melissa, tell us about our thing. (laughs) All right. Um, No, we're just doing bonus. We're just recapping Big Brother, Celebrity Big Brother. And so they have three or four episodes a week, which I forgot about that whenever we signed up to do this. This is turning turning out to be a huge commitment for me. It is. I mean, not for me because I just love reality TV and I'll stay up till all hours of the night and watching it. But I watched some of the live feed with Tom Green and it's my favorite thing in the entire world. So we're recapping that probably just once a week because we've now realized what a commitment we've gotten ourselves into. So that's just for a few more weeks. But if you're over on Patreon, that is a fun little thing we are going to do. So Mandy, we have a lot to get into this week. And I this is one of the craziest stories I have ever heard and definitely one of the craziest ones we've done. So I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, I am too. Um, So this is actually going to be a two-part episode because there's just a lot to it. I came across this case and it didn't seem like at first it was going to be that much. But then once I really started getting into the research, I kind of figured out very quickly that there was absolutely no way we could cram all of this into one episode. There was just no way it would be possible. We are going to have part one of this today. And then next Tuesday, we will release part two. And I promise it is all going to be worth it. So this is like a level of bonkers that I am not even prepared for. I was rereading over these notes a minute ago. And I was like, how are this many things just in part one? Like it is so much. Yeah, it's crazy. It really is crazy. So w- without further ado, <laughs> um, we're going to today talk about a very crazy story, as Melissa said. When two people go out on a boat and only one comes back, it's a very suspicious tragedy. But if three different women disappear and the only thing that they have in common is the same romantic partner, it's also a very suspicious tragedy. But it's just bananas. (laughs) This week, we're delving into the story that began in 1961 and carried on for more than 50 years over several states before coming to a conclusion in 2017. It's the story of Felix Vale and the three women who suffered an unexplained end during their involvement with him. Since there are multiple locations mentioned in this week's story, we're going to Google the city out of Eunice, Louisiana, where Felix met his first wife, Mary Horton. So Eunice, Louisiana is located in the middle of the state of Louisiana and has a population of about 10,000 people, according to a 2010 census. I'm, I feel like we should be sponsored by just the Census Bureau yeah. <laughs> every week. I'm bringing it back there. So it's actually located 76 miles from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, so we're actually Googling this city and surrounding areas this week. There's just not a lot going on in Eunice. Shocking, I know. But Baton Rouge actually has the most lawyer advertising and lawyers per capita than any other state. So basically, like Channing, our dear friend Channing, I feel like 
maybe you couldn't find work here. Well, Channing could because she's the best, but I don't know if you could find a lot of work here. If there's so many attorneys. Like, I wonder, like, if this is just like Better Call Saul happening and everybody's just yeah. like, faking injuries or something. I couldn't quite figure out why it's so high. Um, and LSU, which is Louisiana State University, is the only university in the nation to have an actual live animal as the mascot. And theirs is named Mike the Tiger, which is kind of boring, I've got to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> like they could have really picked that up. But Mike is actually kept in a special habitat in the back of the stadium. And before home games, Mike's cage is actually placed near the visiting team's locker room for intimidation purposes. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> I did not know that. And I wonder... I wonder if my husband knows that. I did not know that. That is crazy. I mean, I found it on the internet, so let's not give it 100% credibility. <laughs> just yeah, see, you learn things on We Googled the City. Not much. Um, and also, Baton Rouge is home to many of our favorite celebrities, like Lolo Jones, who is one of the few U.S. Olympians who's, who have competed in both the Winter and Summer Olympic Games. And she's on Celebrity Big Brother this season. Look at that. I brought it full circle, Mandy. And it's also home to Randy, that's a no from me dog, Jackson, from American Idol. <laughs> and now I'll leave you with a little Seacrest. I'm all out of time. And Simon says, see you later. Abdul, <laughs> we meet again. <laughs> let's, let's keep going. I hate myself more than anyone could hate me. Go ahead. <laughs> I love it. I look forward to We Google the City every week. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> so Felix Vale was born in 1939 on a dairy farm in Montpelier, Mississippi. He was charming and intelligent, usually at the top of his class, although he was frequently in trouble for what his teachers cited as causing mischief. I guess just clowning around and getting in trouble at school, even though he was doing well, had good grades. He was very close with his sister, Kay, but even she admitted that he was a hardhead and was very strong-willed and did not really like to do what he was told. He was constantly in trouble with their father, who believed in a good whipping, but his sister, Kay, said she was quoted as saying that she didn't feel like her brother got the beatings, this is her words, that he needed as a child and growing up. So even though life on the farm was very busy and Felix was very good at it, he actually excelled in farming and he once produced 130 bushels of corn in a five acre contest, which beat every farmer in the county. I guess that's amazing. I don't really know how many bushels wow, of I'm corn. I'm blown away. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how many bushels of corn you're supposed to be able to grow on five acres. He apparently blew it out of the water. So even though he was busy doing all these things, he still found time to engage in some questionable behavior, like cruelty to animals. For instance, when his mother's cat would come home pregnant and have unwanted kittens, he would take it upon himself to take care of these kittens and kill them. And he also killed several of his neighbor's dogs. When Felix was 17, he tried to volunteer to be a pilot for the military, and he took the aptitude test and actually got the highest possible score, so he definitely had the smarts, but the military would not let him in after looking into his background and determining that he wasn't the kind of person that they could count on to follow orders, so he gave up on that dream. They pretty much just said, sorry, Felix, your high school record looks terrible. You are not going to listen to us. That's not going to fly in the military. So on his quest to find himself, Felix responded to an altar call at the local church where an evangelist showed up to recruit new parishioners. Felix felt that he had been called by God to preach, so he delivered 10 sermons. And then one day he said he just had this enlightenment. He saw a being of light and he got this feeling that he should not be preaching anymore because he said that he got this feeling that he knew what he was screwing around with. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, good. <laughs> yeah. Based on how this story goes, good. Yeah. But I just thought that was a very strange way. Yeah. Yeah. All of that is that's yeah. a lot to take in. <laughs> yeah. It just does. That alone is definitely a lot to take in. So he came out of high school in 1957, and he was already making a lot of money because he had gotten a job at the Sitco refinery because his uncle was a supervisor there. So he had a very nice life at this time. He was fresh out of high school, making a lot more money than 
your average person coming out of high school. And he actually was able to own two cars, a motorcycle, a boat. And according to him, he always had at least 20 women on the hook for dates anytime he wanted. Calm down. Yeah. (laughs) So Felix was not a bad looking guy, though. He was actually tall and had blonde hair and blue eyes. And there were a lot of women that were smitten by his good looks and his charming personality. And also probably the fact that he had a lot of money and was very young. One woman that knew of him said that he looked like he had been kissed by heaven. Well, maybe that's what happened with that being of light. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in addition to having all of these women kind of interested in him, he was also not shy about asserting himself with these women. On one occasion, he met this college student at the college campus and he kind of used this whole I'm an ordained minister thing to get her attention I guess and she actually asked him like if you're a minister where's your bible and he was just like oh I don't have it with me so they ended up going on a date they went to a football game and then after the game was over he propositioned her for sex and she actually like denied it and he kind of tried to sweet talk his way into sleeping with her by saying these like cheesy cheesy lines like suppose the world ends tomorrow you'll never know okay it's just fine. <laughs> yeah well she actually did she said well i guess i'll never know <laughs> so so while things did not go well with this young lady he did catch the eye of mary horton Mary was the kind of woman that caught the attention of men everywhere she went. She was really beautiful and smart and had a personality that shined through and really drew people into her. And many guys were really interested in Mary. In high school, Mary was very popular, and she earned the title of homecoming queen as well as Miss Eunice High School. When she began attending McNeese State College, all five of the sororities there asked her to join because she was just really that popular, but she chose to be a sister with Kai Omega. She was loyal to her friends and family, and her sorority sisters admired her ability to always find the good in people. She just seemed to be a very genuinely sweet person, and friends said that she did not have a mean bone in her body. She could have really had any man that she wanted, but she took a liking to Felix Vale, and by 1960, they were dating, and she couldn't stop gushing to her friends about how happy she was to have found someone she connected with so deeply. But in the summer of 1960, Mary began to see some faults in Felix that she wasn't sure she liked as much. She told friends that while she did love him, she didn't always like him, and that even though he was sweet to her, they didn't always see eye to eye. At one point, she even asked a friend to set her up with a different guy in hopes that Felix would be upset and end their relationship. But despite the red flags and warning signs that Mary was seeing, they stayed together and eventually got married on July 1st, 1961. So their whole relationship really actually moved kind of quickly I thought they they met each other in 1960. They were married by 1961. But even before that, like she was already kind of seeing signs that she didn't like. Very quickly following their wedding, Mary joined a gym with a coworker and told her friend that Felix did not want her to lose her figure. So just two months after the wedding, Mary became pregnant with a baby boy that was born on the couple's first wedding anniversary, July 1st, 1962. And they named their son Billy. The pregnancy was not something that the newlyweds had planned, and Felix had actually not really liked the idea of having children at all, at least not at this point. Mary wrote in a letter to a friend that she couldn't believe that she had gotten pregnant despite their efforts to be careful and to avoid it. Mary struggled a lot with her changing appearance during her pregnancy and experimented with different hair colors and looks to help herself feel more attractive. Well, if your husband's telling you not to lose your figure, I'm sure he's not being super complimentary in your yeah. head. And you're pregnant. There's just a lot going on. There. Yeah, <laughs> you know well, they don't have a support. And spouse. he had, you know, he was good looking too. And I'm sure he like sh- there was probably a little bit of like, well, what if you know he's getting attention from other women and then she didn't feel like she was pretty? And I can just see that would just be terrible. Yeah. In May of 1962, letters to friends began to show more disturbing signs of an emotionally abusive relationship with her husband. The mother to be wrote, "Quote: Felix hasn't been acting so sweet." but I haven't helped. I never stand up for him or say anything nice to him. That w- is really sad to me. Yeah. To, to turn it on her <laughs> on herself. But Mary really loved being a mother and was extremely happy in her new role. And just a month after their son's birth, Mary suspected that she may be pregnant again. 
In conversations that Mary had with her mom, she revealed that she was unhappy in her relationship with Felix, but her mom and brother both really encouraged her to stay and work things out. So this family was very devout Catholics, and so they had certain beliefs. There are certain beliefs that go along with relationships and marriages, and they wanted her to stay and work it out if she could. On October 28, 1962, the couple left their infant son with a babysitter and took a boat out on the river at night to check these trot lines. But in a strange turn of events, only Felix returned to the shoreline. At 7.30 p.m. that evening, Felix pulled on to Shell Beach and alerted authorities to the fact that there had been an accident and he did not know where his wife was. He told them that Mary was on the front of the boat using a flashlight and alerted him that there was a stump sticking out of the water. So in response to this, he jerked the boat to avoid hitting this tree stump, which caused Mary to fly out of the boat and into the water. He claimed that he had jumped from the boat and tried to swim around looking for her, but it was dark outside and the water was very murky and all he could do was to get back to shore and call for help. He didn't, there was nothing else he could do. Authorities enlisted the help of local fishermen and boaters. Many local residents turned up to help in the search for Mary. And then sadly, two days later on October 30th, her body was found near the spot where Felix said that she had fallen into the water. So the police really were um, almost instantly suspicious of Felix's story about what had happened. And we are going to talk a little bit about what was so suspicious to the police after a quick break for a word from this week's sponsors. Life comes at you fast, but when you're looking for counseling, minutes can feel like hours and hours can feel like days. You want help quickly, but how will you fit it into your schedule? Our problems rarely arise during normal work hours, so why is counseling mainly available during normal business hours? BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. Is there something that interferes with your happiness or maybe something that's preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp has you covered and at times that are convenient for you. BetterHelp offers licensed professional counselors who are specialized in issues such as depression, anxiety, relationships, trauma, grief, and more. You can connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist without ever having to leave the house in real pants. BetterHelp is secure, convenient, and professional. If you ever find you want to change counselors, you can do so at any time with no additional charge. Financial aid is also available to those who qualify. Best of all, it's a truly affordable option, and Moms and Murder listeners get 10% off your first month. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you love within 24 hours. Go to betterhelp.com moms and use discount code moms for 10% off your first month. Again, for 10% off your first month, go to betterhelp.com moms and use discount code moms. There are many things in life that I love, like my family, chickens, and putting avocados on literally everything. There are a few things I truly hate, like standing in line, speed humps, and going to the store to try on bras. Thankfully, 3rd Love can help me with the last one. 3rd Love actually used millions of real women's measurements and took into account both breast size and shape to make a bra with an impeccable fit and incredible feel. 3rd Love also offers more sizes than most other brands. They are the industry leader with 70 sizes, including their signature half cup sizes. Third Love also offers quality in every stitch and uses premium fabric and expert design. I love that you can skip a trip to the store. You can find your fit in 60 seconds with Third Love's online fit finder. Order it and then you try it on at home without just guessing your size. Because face it, we've all been wearing the same three bras for the last eight years and the last thing we want to do is have the nice lady at the store tell us to our face we've been wearing the wrong size our entire life. We received our new bras a few weeks ago and hands down, I swear on my love for all the avocados in the world, my third love bra is the most comfortable bra I have ever known and I know it will be for you too. The labels are tagless so there's no itching or irritations, the straps won't slip, and third love uses ultra soft smoothing fabrics and lightweight super thin memory foam cups. Third Love also offers a 100% fit guarantee. Third Love's team of expert fit stylists are dedicated to helping you find the perfect fit. Seriously, it's like a pillow for your chesticles. If you don't love their product, returns and exchanges are free and easy. But really, you're going to love their product because of the amazing time and care they have put into it. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they are offering our listeners 15% off their first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash murder now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash murder for 15% off today. And 
now back to the episode. So as Mandy said before the break, at this point, Mary has fallen into the water and police are talking to Felix to kind of figure out what exactly has happened. So the big question police had was, you know, really, why wasn't Mary wearing a life jacket despite the fact that there were two that were available to her? She also had this really real fear of water, specifically drowning, which was really well known to all of her family and friends. And well before this accident even happened, Mary spoke of her fears of death death by drowning, and she was always very fearful around water. Um, Felix explained that she wasn't wearing her life jacket because she was breastfeeding their young baby, and she didn't want to wear a life jacket because her breasts were tender. And apparently the life jackets of yesteryear were very uncomfortable. And my goodness, if you are nursing and you are out on a boat, 100% I can understand. This is very logical to me. Well, even like a modern day life jacket, I feel like I remember back to my nursing days, and I didn't want anything even remotely constricting across my chest. So I totally believe that. Right? So while Mary was very afraid of drowning, she was able to actually swim. So investigators believe that even without a life jacket, she should have been able to resurface and make her way back onto the boat. Therefore, they believe some other factor or factors led to her death. Another thing that was suspicious was the fact that Felix had just taken out two life insurance policies on Mary, and one of them had been paid in full just months before this accident. Needless to say, Mary's family was devastated at her sudden and unexpected passing. Felix was arrested on suspicions of murder, but he maintained that Mary's death was an accident, and eventually the coroner actually agreed and ruled her death an accidental drowning, and Felix was set free. I think they said he only spent um, three days in jail following this whole ordeal, so he wasn't in there for very long. I was actually surprised they ever even arrested him, because it some things like this, nobody... You know, it's just like, yeah, it was an accident. It was late. It was dark. Like you could understand how they could see it as an accident, really. Like this is not the craziest scenario or like most suspicious scenario we've ever even talked about. No. Yeah, definitely. So after Mary's funeral, Felix took their four-month-old son, Billy, back to Mississippi, where he was from, and left the baby with his parents before taking off and becoming kind of a vagabond and just wandered from place to place all over the U.S., In 1965, Felix began working for an open-heart surgery pioneer doctor at Mercy Hospital in San Diego. His job was to oversee a dog kennel that housed 40 dogs that were used for heart research, and he helped to operate a heart and lung machine. He spent his nights at college working towards a degree. In 1965, Felix resurfaced in Mississippi and took his son Bill from his parents and back to California. From this point on, Bill, the child, would split time between Mississippi and California, just going back and forth. During this time, Felix was getting involved in the hippie culture and frequented parks where he would engage in what were called love-ins, where people just got high and listened to music and laid in the grass doing nothing. You know who should we should ask about this and who is the loveliest of all ladies in our Facebook group? Um, Anna Marie. She was around in these 60s in this time. Yeah. Yeah. I bet she has a lot of fun stories of people she knew in these lovins, around these lovins, who knew somebody in the lovins. And she tells the best stories. She does. Anna Marie always has the best stories to tell in our Facebook group. So yeah, Anna Marie, if you're listening and you have a story um, that relates to a lovin, let us know. We (laughs) want to know. (laughs) Also, that's plugging our Facebook group. So Look at that. We just came full circle. Go ahead, Mandy. Sorry, back to the There you go. (laughs) Felix later had an affair with a married woman, and when that went south, he gave up his work at the research center and began living as a hippie entirely and dragging his son Bill along for the ride. By 1967, Felix set his sights on a new love interest. It was a 17-year-old girl named Robin Sinclair, but when their summer romance fizzled out, she returned back to the San Francisco Bay Area by herself. They reconnected in 1968, so about a year later, and began a relationship. What she described, this woman, Robin, she said that they kind of ran into each other. They just saw each other at, like, I think it was a concert. And so she took that as a sign that they were supposed to be together because she had left him, you know, the previous year, left him back wherever he was and went on about her life. And then by happenstance, they see each other again. They make eyes and she's like... 
this must be a sign that I'm supposed to be with this guy. So they started a relationship, which lasted up until Robin announced that she was pregnant with Felix's baby. Felix then took off and headed back to Mississippi with Bill and did not show back up in Robin's life again until she had already given birth to a baby girl. At that point, Robin was not having any of Felix's shenanigans and pretty much told him to kick rocks and get out of her life. And he was not going to see the child or anything like that. She didn't want anything to do with him anymore. So off he went once again, but this would not be the last time that he found himself in a sticky situation. It didn't take long for Felix to meet the next apple of his eye. While house-sitting for a friend at their high-rise apartment, he stripped down naked to get on the balcony and soak up some sun. Yeah, why not? And just a few minutes later, a young brunette woman joined him on this balcony. Her name was Sharon Hensley, and she was a 20-year-old former model from North Dakota. Sharon was born on December 20th, 1948, and had been a local beauty in her community. She commonly dated athletic types and was on the award-winning high school dance team. And this was actually a really cool dance team. It was um, founded by a former Rockette. So, yeah. So it was a very legitimate dance team. After high school, Sharon attended Bismarck Junior College and continued to pursue dancing as well as acting. She eventually got pregnant at a very young age and gave birth to a baby girl in a home for unwed mothers. She was unable to keep the baby, even though she wanted to, so her her daughter, who she actually named Cherry, was given up for adoption. Shortly after this is when she met Felix on the balcony. Despite their age difference, there was about 10 years between them, Felix and Sharon began having a romantic relationship and joined each other on a whirlwind of adventures. The pair hitchhiked around California, living off the land, sleeping near vineyards and orchards, and eating and drinking off of vineyards and orchards, um, really to sustain themselves. This would have been absolutely fine for two consenting adults, but Felix had also brought along his son, Bill, who was now eight years old. That poor kid. I mean, yeah, been through so much. You have no stability. I don't know. This is just like, you almost forget that Bill's there when you're hearing this story because yeah, you do. bringing a well, kid to all of this? <laughs> well, it sounded really like Felix also forgot Bill was there most of the time from, you know, and it's just really terrible and heartbreaking. And it didn't have to be that way because Bill had a home with Felix's parents in Mississippi and they were happy to have him. And there was really just no reason for any of this to be going on. Felix was actually encouraging his young son to smoke marijuana and take LSD so that it would expand his mind. But Bill was not a dumb kid and he knew better and knew that drugs were not okay and he did not want to take them. At some point, Felix, Sharon, and Bill went on a hike to the Baja Desert where Bill made a friend in a 13-year-old migrant worker. As the new friends began to share stories about their life and Bill began to divulge more information about his father and his experience traveling around the desert, um, his new little friend was kind of horrified because one of the main things that Bill shared was this shocking bit of information that he had overheard his father talking about. Bill had always grown up believing that his mother's death was a tragic accident and that his father was a hero who nearly died trying to save her. But one day when Felix thought Bill was outside playing and was not in earshot, he told Sharon that he had actually murdered his first wife. So Sharon thought at this point, she was just like, oh, you know, I totally understand how you could feel responsible for this. You know, this was your wife. You were, you know, you, you were driving the boat. Exactly. And, you know, but then Felix was very quick to jump in and say, no, I mean, I actually killed her. So Bill, the son, was devastated, of course, and angry at what he had just heard his father saying. And when he shared this story with his new friend, his friend casually said, why don't you just turn your dad into the police? And that was like a light bulb moment for Bill, who at this up until this point had never really considered doing something like that, like didn't really maybe just didn't think of that as an option for him. He knew he didn't want to be in this situation with his dad, but didn't know how to get out of it, didn't know what to do. And then and then here's this kid coming along and saying, hey, there's a town two miles away with a police station. Why don't you go there and tell them what you just told me? So that's what Bill did. He got up and he began walking immediately. And this just blows my mind thinking about an eight-year-old walking two miles in the desert to a police station to get away from his father 
it's just all so crazy, like to me to even think about any of that, because my son is nine and I can't I wouldn't even let him walk like up to the stoplight at the end of the street. (laughs) (laughs) So when Bill got to the police station, he told the officers that he was very hungry and had been living on grapes and whatever other fruit his father could scavenge and that he did not want to use these drugs that his father was forcing on him anymore. He wanted to return to his home, which in his mind, as I said, was in Mississippi and get back to school where his friends were. He also told them that he had heard his father talking about how he had killed his mother, Mary. Bill is getting it all out. He's just <laughs> telling. Yeah. Well, I mean, the poor kid is starving to death and has been in the desert. Oh I would be gosh. angry and just I would tell everything, too. Absolutely. So at first, the police didn't believe him and kind of were just like, get out of here, kid. But which I don't think would happen in this day and age. I think police take these things a lot more seriously than they must have back in the yeah. 1960s and 70s. But Bill was persistent and he even camped out at the police station on the steps until one of the officers listened and took him seriously. Authorities found 31-year-old Felix and 21-year-old Sharon at a beach along a river. They had a bag filled with LSD and a bag full of grapes. They were both charged with possession and for contributing to the delinquency of a minor, and the media really went wild with the story of this arrest. The whole thing was plastered across newspapers and tabloids, and it was just these crazy headlines um, talking about this eight-year-old boy living on drugs and grapes, and they had their pictures up there. Felix's picture was up there. The poor kid's picture was up there, just all around bananas. That's another thing I don't think they do now. Like, a minor's photo wouldn't have been put on there, because I was surprised seeing his photos. yeah, no, because he's a victim. Like, no. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I would love to say that this is the craziest part of the story, but sadly, we actually have so much more to get into and I cannot wait. But first, we're going to take one more quick break from this week's sponsors. Last week was my daughter's birthday and I was planning a get together with my in-laws that evening for cake and dinner. And that morning as I was mapping out my day, I realized I had an eye appointment and my son had a doctor's appointment and being the great mother I am, I still needed to pick up a present for my daughter and also clean my house before everyone got there. You know what I did not have time to do? Drag my kids to the store, shop for drinks and snacks and paper towels for this little get together. That's when I grabbed my phone, made a quick list on Instacart, and had the groceries delivered to my house when I'd finally be home at 4 p.m. Some days you just don't have the energy to take these little balls of energy into the store with you. Some days those balls of energy have killed your energy, and you just want to eat closet cookies by yourself. But guess what? You're out of closet cookies. Instacart to the rescue. You can use the Instacart app on your phone or go to instacart.com and shop the groceries you need from your favorite local retailers. The Instacart shopper gathers your groceries with care by selecting excellent produce, and if there are any issues with your order, they will contact you when necessary. Instacart will deliver your groceries in as little as one hour or at a time you select. They bag them so your hot items stay hot and your cold items stay cold, and your cookies aren't smushed. Try Instacart and get $10 off your first order. To get this limited-time offer, go to instacart.com or download the mobile app and enter our promo code MOMS at checkout. That's $10 off your first order today at instacart.com or through the mobile app. And don't forget to enter our code MOMS. This year, let's make health and wellness a top priority with the help of Care-of's monthly vitamin service. Whether you are focused on having glowing skin, boosting your energy levels, getting more sleep, or generally being healthy, Care-of has you covered in 2019. Care-of has a fun online quiz that asks questions about your diet, your health goals, and your lifestyle choices. Best of all, it only takes about five minutes to find out your personal, scientifically-backed vitamin and supplement recommendations. I loved taking the Easy Care-of quiz because I felt like they were really tuned into the things I was focused on, like finding vitamins to take for my overall health, as well as vitamins that were specifically for energy and stress because kids. They also added an iron supplement since I noted in the quiz that this was something my doctor mentioned that I had been low on at my last physical. Your personalized care of subscription box gets sent right to your door every month with personalized daily packs. Great for a busy on the go lifestyle. Each day is its own individual pack, so it's easy to throw in your purse or bag and take it on the go. I love grabbing my daily vitamins from my purse and being greeted with a quote or fun fact to start my day. A portion of every sale goes towards the Good Plus Foundation, which provides expectant mothers in need with valuable prenatal vitamins. Prenatal vitamins are so important to expectant mothers and babies, and we love being a part of Care-of's commitment to helping expectant mothers in need. 
For 50% off your first month of personalized care of vitamins, go to takecareof.com and enter code MOMS50. Again, for 50% off your first month of personalized care of vitamins, go to takecareof.com and enter code MOMS50. And now back to the show. So at this point, poor little Billy has walked through the desert. He's now with the police and he's telling this insane story that is now all over the news about his dad giving him drugs, feeding him grapes, and, you know, that his mom has been murdered. So Felix actually pleads guilty after his arrest to LSD possession and he spends six months in jail and he was given three years of probation. California authorities alerted the Louisiana authorities to what Bill had said about a possible murder, but the DA in Louisiana decided not to pursue the case or prosecute Felix for murder. Why? (laughs) I mean, I guess that's hearsay and it's a young kid, but like maybe we should, you know, like nobody's prompting this. The kid just said this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and I guess because it was already ruled an accidental drowning, they already had an official coroner's report. So it's not even like... You know, it's like they to them, this is already case closed. They've already looked into it. So I can kind of understand that. Sure. So following this whole ordeal, Bill's grandparents in Mississippi got full custody. Yay. There's one good thing. Yeah. (laughs) So after the couple was released from jail, they traveled to Mississippi to see Bill. This was all done illegally as the two of them were supposed to be confined to the state of California for the duration of their three year probation. And it didn't take long for the cops to come looking for Felix. But his mother decided to lie for him, and she said that she didn't know where he was. A few days later, Felix's mother hid the couple on the floorboard of her car and drove them out of town to a bus station and gave them enough money to make the journey back to California. I need to see photos of this car. Explain to me these kind of floorboards. (laughs) Yeah, I don't really know. I don't know. And I felt so bad for his mother because, like, she had said in an interview that she didn't know if this was the right thing to do to like get, you know, help them, give them money and get them back out of town instead of just turning them into the police. But it's like one of those things where it just breaks your heart because it's, it's a mom. And so she was kind of like, you know, she, she pretty much just said all we could do was pray for them and pray for the best for them and hope that things worked out, you know, and that was that. So she sent them back to California. Yeah. And he's not on the run from a murder or anything. This is a drug charge. He's done his time and he's on probation. So, okay, I'll give her that. Yeah. But I'm still a a snitch. So, Um, but the following year in 1972, the free spirited couple showed up on Sharon's parents' doorstep completely unannounced. The two had spent the last, however long hitchhiking, meditating, and really just living in the woods. Sharon's family was horrified to see all the ways which she had changed since the last time they had seen her. The once put together bright and beautiful model had lost a significant amount of weight and her appearance had totally changed. She was no longer shaving her legs or her armpits. She was wearing a mini skirt with like nothing else and her malnourishment was so obvious due to the clumps of hair that had fallen out of her head and her family just said she looked Nothing like the girl they once knew. She just didn't look healthy. Her brother said that she seemed to have been brainwashed during this visit and that his parents and himself believed that Felix was heavily controlling and emotionally abusing Sharon. Felix would not let Sharon speak for herself, and any time she was asked a question, he would either answer it for her or she'd have to wait for his approving nod before she was allowed to speak to her own family in their home, which, my goodness... So more bizarre behavior ensued, and Sharon's brother recalled a trip to a local grocery store in which Sharon shoplifted several bottles of grape juice while Felix distracted the cashier. After Sharon's family had finally had enough of these antics and this disruption to their lives, really, they asked Felix to leave but hoped that their daughter Sharon would stay home with them. But she chose to go with Felix and told her family that the two of them had these big plans to travel to New Orleans and then to Miami to make... Porn movies. I just every there's so many twists and turns in this story. I'm just like, wait, like what? Like how did they get there? Well, you just don't expect so, like the next any of the next things to happen. So after leaving North Dakota, they stayed with Felix's family on the dairy farm for a little while and just drew the attention of all the neighbors because they would do things like sunbathe completely naked out in the front yard. So they finally did um, leave Felix's parents' home and make their way to New Orleans. 
So Sharon found work as a dancer at a nightclub where she would make as much as $1,000 a night. But they didn't stay in New Orleans for long before they eventually did move on to Miami, where they resumed their hippie lifestyle and lived in a commune while working at a health food store. They eventually did hook up with this person, this movie producer who was producing these adult films, and they earned $500 a day to star, have starring roles in these in this movie. This actually apparently turned out to be quite a hit movie, but I can't even say the name of it because for our show... Even the name of this movie is not appropriate to say, but it was a huge film in that industry and it became iconic and paved the way for Miami to become this mecca in the pornography industry. And this was really the last time that anyone other than Felix ever heard from Sharon. Months passed and she never called or wrote to her family who started to become increasingly concerned. And then in March of 1974, this is several years later, Sharon's mother got a random letter from Felix and he explained that he was also concerned about Sharon's well-being because he had allegedly not seen or heard from her in a year. A year. A year had gone by and he said that they had gone down to Key West and Sharon pretty much ditched him in Key West after she met this Australian couple and decided to go get on their sailboat and travel around the world with them. It sounds like a great situation. Honestly, that sounds like a very cool thing, but well, but call your mom, let your mom know what you're doing. If you're going to do that, you know, and I feel like anybody would and most, you know, most of the, most people in that situation. Well, that's what her family thought. Someone, her family thought that she would have at least let them know. Yeah. So this letter was full of really strange details like that Sharon and this mystery couple had decided to go island hopping in South America and in the West Indies. Uh, They planned on stopping in Hawaii and maybe even spending a couple of years in the Philippines before moving on to places like India, Egypt and the Mediterranean islands. They had this whole thing planned out, apparently, according to Felix. So Felix attempted to reassure Sharon's family in this letter that all was well by saying that she was of an age where she should have the right and freedom from them to decide for herself how she wanted to live her time on Earth. Obviously, Sharon's family was horrified. They did not believe a word of this and thought it was quite strange that Sharon would not contact them, as we just said, to let them know that she had these plans to go doing all of this. But they had really little recourse because... There was really no proof that anything was not true about the story that Felix was giving them. There was nothing. They didn't have any proof. And after all, like we said, Sharon's behavior had gotten strange before this to, you know, according to them, they felt that her behavior was a little off. So maybe it was possible that she really did take off on her own adventure. So we are going to explore a lot more about that situation and a lot more about what happened to Sharon on part two of this story that will come out next Tuesday. And once again, I wish this was as crazy as the story got, but there is actually still so much more to this. So I am looking so forward to next week. I hope you guys will come back for part two. Melissa. Oh my gosh. I hope you'll come back for part two. Eh, you know, I'll see. See what, <laughs> see what I'm doing. Um, but no, there's so, yeah, I can't even believe we even made it this far because because there's so much more to even go through. So I feel like we're hype people for next week's episode, but it's going to be so good because it's insane. So before we get out of here for this week, as usual, this is something we always do on our show if you're new if you're new to us or if you, yeah, really just if you're new to oh, us. welcome. We, we do this little segment at the end of the show called Last Thing Before We Go. And it's really just us making a point to lighten the mood a little bit and talk about nonsense. And so we actually answer questions that are submitted by some of our listeners. Usually we get them from our Facebook group. Um, So if you are in our Facebook group or if you want to join our Facebook group, that's how you can submit questions to us for this. And the Facebook group is called Mums the Word. So if you don't like this or you don't want to hear us talk about um, If you haven't already muted us after this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, if this is not going to be your thing, you can just skip to the next podcast in your playlist. You don't have to stick around and listen to this. But um, it's something that we like to do. And like I said, it just lightens the mood. And it's a little palate cleanser, as Melissa always calls it. So that's what we're about to do. So there's one from our friend Chastity. And she is in our Facebook group, as I said a little bit ago. And she wants to know, what is our favorite quality about each other? What's my favorite quality about you? What is your favorite quality about me? 
I cannot wait to hear this. Well, now I'm a little nervous. I'd like to see where you're going first. Do you have one in mind? I mean, like, I ha- can you limit it to one about me? Well, I have a – well, yeah. I mean, obviously, I like that you're, like, hilarious. But I feel like I say that all the time. So I'm sick and tired. I'm just sick, sick and tired of it. telling you that you're so funny. So, no. So, anyway – You know, honestly, I think my other one, I think you're like the most patient person I've ever met, like just super patient and like such a good mom because of how patient you are. (laughs) So, (laughs) so that's what I think. I think you're hilarious and you are a very patient person and (laughs) I love those things about you. Thank you. Well, okay. I'm going to give you two then. One is that you like are really up for anything and you like go along with some <laughs> terrible like ideas. Like this podcast. <laughs> you have a history of going along with bad ideas, um, but you're up for it. But no, like I, all these like random things we've come up with, you're just like, okay, like let's try it. Like, you know, like, if, but it's a positive thing. Like I just always have random things and a lesser person would be like, you got to calm down. <laughs> like, please stop. <laughs> And you'll either ignore the message I send you completely, and then I just take that as an answer, or you will come back and say, like, okay, let's give it a try. And that's so great. The other one is, and it actually has to do with my parenting, so I'm making this all about me, actually. But um, ever since, like, my kids, since I've known you, so since my son especially was small, like, I've always felt when you're around my kids and stuff, like, you're never judging my parenting. And, you know, with my lovely son, who I adore – it's not always like the easiest road. And even whenever like he was little and he has food allergies, when we would go to Mandy's, she would like wipe everything down and always made it safe for him. And I always appreciated that so much. I feel like I probably told you that, but if not, all right, let's Aww. just say it. Yeah. But it was yeah. nice. Like I never felt like you were judging like my kids interesting behavior or my like trying not to cry but I'm being very patient the entire time so yeah goes to me as well on that one but yeah no that means a lot so can we get to something funny now I love your question chastity but um we need to get to something I need to now laugh because this is too much emotion while I still have this no I just want to say I love I I just love you and your kids and your whole family okay now we can move on to the next question vice versa (laughs) ditto whatever okay (laughs) okay so our Lovely, lovely, lovely friend, Brenny, um, who I just love so much. I can't tell I from can't all of that, it. but yes, I adore <laughs> you too, Brenny. I adore all of you. You're all wonderful. Yes, they are. So Brenny wants to know if we prefer extra blankets or extra pillows. Melissa. <laughs> so I am like a terrible sleeper. Like I don't care how many um, blankets are on the bed. I don't care like how anything's set up. My husband has to have everything like perfect and his side is like amazing. I want blankets. I don't need an extra pillow. My husband has two pillows that he uses. He has like another small one. And then he has a lap pillow, a lap pillow that he sleeps with okay, on his stomach. I am team Steven. How many, how many, how many pillows do you sleep one. with? Barely one. And like, if I don't even have it, I'm not going to be that upset. <laughs> uh, uh, but no. I'm always in pain no, no, and now no. I'm questioning it. <laughs> No, 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 no. I need a lot of pillows. I only sleep with three on my head or by my head. I make like a nest around my upper body. And then I also have what I call a leg pillow, which I put. I do. I I put it in between my legs. Sometimes if I want to lay on my side, I put it in between my knees. But then even if I'm like just on my back, I like to have it on my lap. So I am totally with Stephen on the lap pillow thing. This is not helpful (laughs) for you. It's but he like he'll have all of his pillows and I'll be like, I can't find a pillow. Like, can I have the one you use for your legs? He's like, no, that's mine. I'm like, all right, I guess I won't have a pillow and I'll just crumple up a blanket. I want all the blankets. I will sleep in a robe over my pajamas. Like I just need all of that stuff on me and just a fan blowing on me constantly. So um, I should care more about my neck. I'm starting to think this is a problem, but that's a good one. Yeah. (laughs) Mandy next. Okay. We will do one more since that one was pretty quick and short. So uh, our friend Carmen wants to know what is our favorite movie candy or like movie theater candy? I don't even know. I have so many that I love. I think my favorite movie theater candy is Milk Duds. What? <laughs> I've never seen somebody ask for Milk Duds. I feel like they just 
are there because somebody like keeps the purchase order and it like accidentally comes to the movie theater, but nobody's actually buying them. And somebody's like got a whole case of them in the back and they just give them to their grandparents. Like, and nobody notices because they, <laughs> they're not even inventory. They just show up. Mandy. They're so, they're delicious and they're so addicting. I feel like, so I like, <laughs> because it's chocolate with caramel inside, right? Yeah. Or some version of those two things. But I just like to stick them in my mouth and suck the chocolate off of it. And then I chew the caramel. Like I have a whole routine and method of eating them and everything. That is, so that's something, Mandy. <laughs> um, <I'm>, yeah. <laughs> well, mine isn't much better. I get junior mints, which is probably some kind of like weird Seinfeld thing in my head. But if you think about mints, and I heard somebody say this one time, they're like, why do we like mint flavored stuff? It's like toothpaste so once you eat a junior mint you can't eat anything else for like 10 minutes so it's ruined all the other foods that you want around you that's terrible but I also like putting M&Ms in my popcorn that's like my other favorite thing to do but you have to like portion it right you don't put M&Ms in your popcorn Mandy no sweet and salty (laughs) it's the like perfect marriage of those two things it's so delicious why can't you just like put a few M&Ms in your mouth and then shove some popcorn in there with it? Okay, you can do that if you're an animal or you can just sprinkle them. <laughs> I'll do that with my kids too. I'll just pour them all, pour them little bowls and like that's our little snack and everything. And also if your kid has food allergies, you can literally bring snacks in and no one can say anything to you. So that's that's a good thing for coming to a movie with me. I can, all of our yeah. snacks, sorry, they're not safe. We have to bring our own. Works out great. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, guys. So that was it. That was Come it. back for part two <laughs> where it gets even crazier. It really, really does, though. It really does. That's, this is not just a, a hype up. It really does get crazier. So come back next yeah, week. Yeah, don't Google ahead of time. Just let us tell you the story. Have a great week. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Moms and Murder podcast. Make sure to check back with us next week for a new episode. You can also find us at momsandmurder.com where you can connect with us via social media. Please make sure you subscribe and give us five stars because giving us four stars would be a crime. Thanks so much.